So this Christmas series, what this, what child is this, is about is seeing Jesus from a different perspective. So we got to see a little bit from a child's perspective, which is fun, isn't it? Kids have a unique perspective on life. And so last week we looked at it from a shepherd's perspective. This morning we're going to examine what child is this from a wise man's perspective. So if you have your Bibles, we'll hear in a second. We'll be looking at Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1 and going from there. But what child is this? The story is this, is that there's one day that Mary and Joseph, they were engaged and they were talking and uh, they had set a date for marriage and uh, Mary ended up pregnant and that was not part of the plan. And so Joseph and Mary had a discussion and the angels, as you saw, showed up and talked to them and uh, they ended up saying, hey, we're going to follow through with this. Joseph, you know, followed through. And so they made this trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem and Bethlehem is the name literally means house of bread. And so this trip from Kelly to Bethlehem was these 30 miles. So you can imagine Hannah and Kelly and all these different ladies that are with child, that you know that you're with child, you can't hide it anymore, and all of a sudden your husband says, hey, Merry Christmas to us, we are going to do a 90-mile hike. And uh, most likely, actually, they probably did not have a donkey or a camel because it would have slowed the trip down. So these, at this day, a 90-mile trip would have taken about four days, five days max. They were clipping about 20 miles a day. So um, all of you that are getting in your 10,000 steps, you need more than 10,000 steps, okay, to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And so here they are. They're making this journey together. And you can imagine what that would have been like. And so they go to the house house of bread in Bethlehem, and they're there, and they're obviously they're looking for a place, and there wasn't a place, and this would have been common. There would have been community houses where you would have had family during the census that was called, and you would have been preparing, and so your family would have invited you over, and basically you're showing up to your family house, and they're saying, hey, you showed up last, so you don't get a place to stay, but we do have the stable. We do have a place here in the back where you can hang out, and that feels kind of LaGrangeous, doesn't it? Everybody's coming over, and all of a sudden you said, hey, we got the horse place we got the chicken coop you guys can hang out back there and so that's what's happening mary and joseph are staying in the in the stable back in the back and there we know that baby jesus is born now this would have been a unique event now some of you if you've been alive i wasn't alive but i've heard about it july 4th 1776 any of y'all remember that a couple of you okay a couple of you rose your hand you remember that was an amazing event right you would have heard the story and everybody would have been like hey i remember when on july 4th 1776 when America became a nation. Many of you were around on September 11th, not everybody, but September 11th. You remember, whenever I talk to people about it, they remember where you were at, what you were doing in that moment. And the same is true here. Whenever the census happened, wherever they heard about the census, they talk about, Luke says, Quirinius was the governor, and we heard about the census that needed to be taken. It was a September 11th type of event, a memorable moment. That's why the author Luke in chapter 2 talks about it, because people would draw back, to their memory and go, I remember when, I remember where I was at when I heard that we had to go back to our family place for the census. And so that's the backdrop of our story as we look at Matthew chapter 2, that here is Jesus. He's already born. He's in the stable. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes. And, and the, the shepherds have already come and they visit it. And so there's been a little bit of a time lapse. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. And we'll see the story of what child is this and where the shepherds enter in. In Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread in Judea. So that's the kind of the county or the area. During the time of King Herod. 
Now, King Herod was king of the Jews, but he wasn't truly Jewish. So he was someone that had become, the Romans had placed him as king over the Jewish people, but he wasn't Jewish by birth. He wasn't Jewish even by faith. He knew a little bit about him because he studied up on him, but he wasn't Jewish. And so he was considered an illegitimate king to the Jewish people. So the Jews did not like the fact that King Herod was their, was their king. Now, something about some of the things about King Herod was he was actually a great builder of things. So when we look back at history and they talk about King Herod, Herod the Great was his other title. He was a great builder of things and actually was in process of rebuilding the temple. And, uh, but because the Jews didn't, didn't trust him, they would let him build a part and then he would take, be able to take a part of the other t- temple and re- continue to rebuild. So whenever he built a new section, he could then tear down another piece. They're like, you're not going to totally do away with our temple, our place of worship, until you finish this next section. So he was very much not trusted, but also he was someone who did not trust. He was very suspicious, and so throughout his time as ruler, he was someone who took many lives. He took the lives of his own family. As a matter of fact, he took the lives of everyone that he thought could potentially come against him and take his rule and reign in his place. And so, and so he was a very related to him that he kept alive were his sister and his sons. And so he was a very suspicious person. So that'll kind of, again, a part of our backdrop here. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, this very suspicious king who was considered king of the Jews but wasn't really. And he was constantly reminded of the fact that even though, they've, even though the Romans have given you this title of king of Jews, as Jews we consider you, and we'll tell you to your face, um, behind your back sort of kind of thing, that you're an illegitimate king. So during the time of King Herod, these magi came from the east to Jerusalem. Now, who are these magi? Who are these guys? And so there's all kinds of traditions throughout history that have come about. We don't, you know, in our story that we saw earlier, there were three magi or three wise men. We don't actually know, but tradition and history has said or has put together three because there were three gifts at the end of the story of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But we know that there was probably a caravan, and these magi were coming from the east. They would have come from Persia or Arabia based upon the gifts that they were bringing and, and where they were distributed from and what they were talking about being from the east. And so here are these magi, these wise men. Now these wise men would have been religious priests, probably in the kingdom of Persia. And so they would be studiers of the stars, or we would say astrologers. And they would be someone who would spend a lot of time studying and spend the time science and, and watching and observing and kept detailed charts of the movements of the stars. And somewhere about 0 A.D., there is historical evidence of some type of unique astrological event that took place. Now, what was interesting about that time period is because so many people did study the stars and study the creation, there was an expectation that um, whenever something happened unique in the stars, that there was somebody born of noble birth. And so you can imagine, here's this this scene that's happening within history, is that these people are watching the stars and studying the stars, and even though they may not be Jews, even though they may not be understanding who the the Messiah is or the Anointed One is, they're expecting someone of a royal birth or noble birth to be born, to become literally ruler of the world. Tacitus and Sionis were uh, Roman historians, and as they've written, and we look back over their writings, they said, listen, it was with great expectation during this time of the early century that there was going to be a ruler that came from Judea that would rule the entire world. Now, we have the ability to look back over history and go, well, of course it's Jesus. But can you imagine being at this time period? 
And so that the Romans, that there's really, there's relative peace. There's not war. It's pretty much a quiet time. The, the Roman roads have been built, so there's all these ability to get anywhere and everywhere. And, and so the, now that most of the people speak Greek, and so this is a unique time in history. And also there's this expectation during this time that, hey, there's going to be a ruler that's born in Judea that will rule the entire world. So we have the ability to look at all these things and to look back and to say, well, of course, of course it's Jesus. But now these people in this moment, they're putting all this stuff together. And here are these religious priests from Persia see an astrological event that goes, hey, there's a noble person being born over where the king of the Jews should be born. And so we're going to make this long journey. Now, it was more than 90 miles. It probably would have taken them four, five, six months to make the journey from Persia to where they were going to be. And it was been a caravan of religious priests, these magi and wise men coming together to Jerusalem. The next thing that we learn about these wise men is, is that um, in the next part they asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? Now imagine this. This highly suspicious guy who's the illegitimate leader of the king of the Jews, all of a sudden he's there, he's having his Saturday morning breakfast. I don't know what king of the Jews would be having his Saturday morning breakfast. Maybe um, Taco Shack? Yeah, with a little hot sauce. And so he's having Taco Shack with hot sauce. He's had someone go get it. Everybody's there. They're enjoying it. Maybe some donuts. And so they're enjoying their time together. They're relaxing. Everybody's running around the house. And all of a sudden, there's another kind of movies you've seen. And it's like those big old knocker things. Knock, knock, knock. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen those kind of movies. You've seen it. And so you can imagine that scene. The, the noise through the whole house. And there opens up the doors. And here's this caravan of wise men and the, the camels and everything that goes along with that. And they said, hey, we're here to visit the king of the Jews that's just been born. Imagine Herod goes, there ain't been no babies born in this house. What king of the Jews' baby are you speaking of? You can imagine someone who's as suspicious as King Herod is and what that begins to, to rise up within him. Fear, anxiety, anticipation of, listen, there's somebody, these guys have traveled from afar, they've seen something, they've heard of something, there's rumblings of something happened. I've heard the rumblings that there's going to be a world ruler born in Judea. What is happening? So you can imagine that kind of scene. And so the king slyly invites them in and says, let me hear a little bit more from you wise men and you magi about this new baby born king of the Jews. And here's what they said. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, if you're King Herod, that is going to rock your world. Because no one came to visit you when you were born. And so these guys were looking and studying the stars. Something happened. Something happened that was so unique that they packed up and began to travel. They, they might have been nomadic people, so they packed up all their stuff, their tents, all their people, and traveled and said, we don't even know how far we got to go. We just got to go to this place and follow the star. And so they've been following the star since Jesus' birth. Something happened in the world, and they're looking up at the sky, and they're following this, and they end up where they would naturally think that the king of the Jews would be born is at the house of the king of the Jews, only it's not at his house. And so you can imagine the tension, you can imagine the scene as he walks in, as these magi walk in, and they think that they're going to be coming to give gifts at King Herod's house, and he's like, this is not the place, but tell me more about the king of the Jews. And then also, what did they say? They came from afar when they saw the star rise. Why? So they could worship him. Let's be honest. 
all of us, not just kings, want to be worshipped. We want to be applauded. And so you can imagine this king who's highly suspicious and wants people's worship and is doing everything so that people will worship him. All of a sudden these people show up from afar and they say, we have come to worship this baby king. Man, that, that is speaking volumes to him. And you can imagine the scene, the tension of what's happening in this place. Why did these wise men seek Jesus? They were looking where they know and knew to look. And God encountered them and drew them in. I think this is one of the most powerful things about this story is this. Is that God, if you are seeking truth, God will use what you're used to seek truth and will find you and will draw you to him. Look at this next part of the story. He says, we've come to worship him. And then what? King Herod um, is disturbed and he draws him in. And then he goes to his chief, his, uh, chief priests and his religious teachers. And he says, hey, where is this uh, Messiah anointed one going to be born? And so the religious teachers come to him and they say, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. Now we know, right? We've already, we already understand Jesus has already been born there and there. And so we know that that's him from the story. For This is what the prophets have written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people. Now listen again. Herod knew that that wasn't him. And he understand now, hey, there's something bigger going on than me. And this is going to really challenge who I am and what I'm about. So these religious people telling the truth. Here's the deal. One of the things that we're seeing in history, but also we're seeing currently right now, is that God will do the Middle East do to draw men and women unto himself. So even in the Muslim world, in the Middle East, God is using dreams for the Muslims of Esau, which is Jesus. Jesus is showing up to Muslims in their dream, and they're encountering Jesus, and they're bowing down and worshiping and saying, I need this guy. And then guess what? The very next thing that they do is they go to the house of bread, they find a church, and they get into God's Word. This is exactly what has happened here is these magi, these religious people are studying the stars, what they know, and they have a dream, they had a vision of, I've got to go pursue this, and where do they show up? The only place that they knew, the king of the Jews, and guess what was presented to them? A fuller truth of God's word. Listen, if you're seeking after the truth of who God is, he will use whatever it is to draw you to himself so that you can get a fuller revelation. And so that's exactly what happened here is that these Magi, these religious people are looking up and they see the stars and they're drawn to the house of the bread and the bread of life is opened up and they point and they say, Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah is the one that you're looking for. You'll continue your journey. You'll be able to find him, be able to worship at his feet in the house of Bethlehem. Continue on on your journey. Verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. One of the things that we've learned and know from history is immediately after this, we learn a little bit later on that the Magi don't go back to King Herod, but they find a different route. And what happened is, is King Herod and his suspiciousness decided that, hey, he needed to, to wipe out every male child two years of age and under in the town of Bethlehem, so that we know historically that there actually was, King Herod sent 
had passed an edict and sent his troops in at two years of age and under in Bethlehem. Every male child that was there was wiped out. And we understand, too, from Scripture that Jesus, his father, Joseph, was told in a dream, you need to get out. And so he got out and went to Egypt so that he could survive. But listen, this was a real historical event, and we have evidence that this stuff, this stuff happened in the engagement with God's Word and the engagement with history is that this astrological event happened and these people were drawn to this place and they received a fuller revelation of who God is and they were drawn to this place to worship the King of the Jews, the new baby. And we have evidence historically that this stuff lines up and stuff happened just as God's Word says it did. Continuing on, that Herod, he went and he found him. One of the things that I think about from this is that there's different reactions to baby Jesus. The first reaction is one of worship. That the Magi were drawn to this place and they said, hey, we don't even fully understand who he is, but we know he's of worth, and so we've come to worship him. And then you see uh, King Herod, and Herod is someone who's suspicious, and he hears and he understands, and, and you would think that maybe he would understand that, hey, not just in my suspiciousness, but the true king of the Jews, the anointed one is here. It's an opportunity for me to worship, but if for him, because of who he was and what he was struggling with and his own desires, it became a point of opposition. And so we live in a culture right now that there's different responses to who baby Jesus is. And so many of our neighbors, so many of our friends look at us and look at how we act and look at how we talk and look at this Christian faith and have sometimes it doesn't rationally make sense. And so there's oppositions to this baby Jesus. So you have an opportunity to worship. You have an opportunity for opposition. And then you have an opportunity for indifference. The religious teachers and the priests opened up God's word, the full text, and presented it to the Magi. And you would think that here's the guys that had the most knowledge of anyone. It had the, the best understanding of who the Messiah is. And, and the fullness of the time. It would have said, hey man, it's been 400 years of silence. Between when God last spoke in the Old Testament. And now we're here. And there's been 400 years. And all of a sudden, these guys show up literally at King of Kings. And knock on the King of the Jews' door and say, we're here for baby Jesus. We're here for this King of Kings. And you would think that the religious people who knew all this and understood this would go, we want to go worship too. We want to be a part of this caravan. But they don't. They stay. And how much for us, if we go and be around church for so long, we become indifferent to the truth of who Jesus is. And that even when we come to a Christmas season like this, that it's one of the greatest, most difficult things for me as a pastor is, how can I present This story that so many of us know so well in such a way that it impacts you and pricks your heart just enough for us to not be indifferent about the birth of Jesus anymore. The same thing is true with Easter. Because we go through the season and we think about we got a Christmas tree, we got a Christmas list, we got kids singing at the Christmas thing, we got all these things going on, and we're indifferent to the truth of the fact that God became flesh in the house of the bread, and it radically transformed the world, and we get to do what we do every single Sunday here, and we're indifferent to the fact that it transformed our lives, or it should. What child is this? It's the one that I pursued and I sought after, and I didn't even fully understand, but when I encountered him, the only thing that I could do was to worship him. Continuing on in the story, the Magi once they heard that they could go to Bethlehem, began 
that journey, and they went and they traveled. And as they were traveling, they were overjoyed because the star arose over the city of Bethlehem, and it went to that place, and it followed. And it says that it literally stopped exactly over the location. There's been GPS for thousands of years. God's positioning system has been there, and it was the Magi following and seeking after, and he placed it exactly where it needed to be so that the Magi would show up to the place of worship, and they were overjoyed when they got to the place. When's the last time you showed up to church overjoyed opportunity? Some of you are like, oh, I'm tired. And I understand. But when's the last time you came to church with expectation that you're going to meet Jesus? Wow. I'm talking to me too. Because I get to do this 52 weeks a year, and there's about two weeks out of the year that I don't want to do it. Because I'm tired. Do you get tired? Get indifferent? So here we are, the Magi, and they get to that place and they're overjoyed at opportunity. They don't even fully understand what it means, but they're overjoyed because of a long journey of seeking the truth. And here they are, they're pointed to this right place, and they walk in, and there's Mary and baby. And listen, that means that Jesus is probably a toddler, maybe. He maybe is having a few words, and he's maybe walking around because we understand, right? Under two years of age, so one-year-olds talk now. Some of them can sign language. Some of them can code. I mean, some of them have Facebook pages and internet. I mean, they got all kinds of stuff going on. You know what I mean? I'm serious. And so two-year-olds can do a lot of stuff. So I can imagine, and I'm, just me, I have this weird mind, is that the Magi walk into Jesus there, and he's like, hey, what's up? And they're like, whoa, and they bow down. And what does it say? They bow down and they worshiped. And here's the next thing. They opened up their treasures. But the response of worship is that they brought this and they opened up their treasures. And their treasures, as we know, was gold and frankincense and myrrh. And, and there's all different kind of ideas of what that possibly mean and the symbols of it. And we're not going to get into that today. The most important thing that I want you to see is that in response to meeting Jesus, in response to being the presence of God in flesh, that they opened up their treasures. Whatever they had at their disposal, they offered. And so for us, when we come to a place like this to worship, whatever we have is to be in response to worship. There's going to be Sundays that you are totally wiped out and you've had a week from you know where and you're like, I have nothing else to give. And what Jesus says is, listen, just open up what you've got and offer it. It's good enough. Bring what you've got. Lay open your treasures. Lay open your me. What's in your heart before me and worship. Seek after me. What child is this? It's a child that will find us no matter how far physically, emotionally, spiritually we are from the truth of God. That if we're seeking, he will pull us and draw us in and we will meet and encounter baby Jesus. And then when we encounter and meet baby Jesus, we have different opportunities. One of worship, one of opposition, or one of indifference. This Christmas season. Which one are we going to choose? Indifference, opposition, or worship? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story of Jesus. Thank you for the story of the wise men. Father, I thank you that you, from this shows that you will draw us from wherever we are at. 
that are the depths of our despair and the darkest, deepest places that seem to us the furthest away from you, you are still there calling out our names. Father, that it's just a matter of us seeking and pursuing and asking questions to the people maybe that we think have the answers and just trying to continue to seek and to to pursue you and that, Father, that when we come to that place that we're literally at the feet of Jesus, that that's our opportunity to make a decision and to choose you or not you. Father, I pray for many of us who have heard this story hundreds of times before in different ways. Lord, if we've been around it so much, it's easy to become indifferent to the simple story of a babe born in a manger. And that it's so cute. We think of babies as cuddly. But Father, that we know the story, that his story is one of death and destruction and devastation and it's transformation. So Father, I pray this Christmas season that we don't just go through the motions, but Father, that we seek to encounter the living Jesus. We seek to encounter the living God like we've never encountered Him before or maybe in a long time. Father, in those that maybe we encounter those that are in opposition to baby Jesus. That we don't push back, but that we just love. We just continue to pray for and care for and hopes that one day that they'll see and encounter have a different perspective of the Jesus that we know and understand and love and appreciate. Father, we know that everybody matters to you. And you're in pursuit of all. The good shepherd leaves no one behind. Pursues all. And you're in pursuit. God, we love you. Praise you. And exalt you as King of kings.